This edition of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes originally aired June 26, 2013. Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. Have a great show today. In just a couple minutes, we'll be talking with Alexandra Horowitz, who is the author of Inside of a Dog, What Dogs See, Smell, and Know. And she's also got a book called On Looking, 11 Walks with Expert Eyes, And this is the last show before the Sparks Conference, uh, which is coming up this weekend. Very exciting. Um, It's a conference in Redmond, Washington. And then there are some nationally and internationally renowned uh, scientists in dog behavior uh, and, and uh, I guess, ethology, which is animal behavior, the, the science of animal behavior. And I have had the pleasure and honor of talking with uh, a few different of these presenters. And uh, Dr. Horowitz is the last of this sort of pre-Sparks series. So um, we're going to start talking with her about uh, her book, Inside of a Dog, and about what she'll be talking about at the Sparks Conference. Alexandra Horowitz, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so thanks so much for your time today. I know we're talking to you from New York. How's That's the, right. How's the weather over there? Hot. Yeah. Humid? I'm looking forward to traveling west. Yeah. Uh, hot and humid. Yeah. Yep. I'm from Massachusetts, actually, so I'm familiar with that brutal humidity. Um, I love your book. I love how you write. You're very, Thank you. very eloquent. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to hearing you speak in person this weekend. When do you leave? Tomorrow? Uh, Friday. Yeah. And I'll be there for the Saturday and Sunday full day. Great. So um, lots to talk about. And I've been uh, on this topic now for about a month, sort of pre-Sparks, talking with Mark Beckoff and Dr. Michael Fox and Clive Wynn and... Um, you, of course, talk a lot about, I've, so I read your book, Inside of a Dog, and then I see that you have a, another book out, On Looking, 11 Walks with Expert Eyes, uh, that I'll be sure to read that as well. One of the things that I want to get to today about what you do is you, you spent some time in your book um, really talking about how do dogs experience the world? What is it like? to be a dog, essentially, what dogs see, smell, and know. And really studying this scientifically, it's such an interesting uh, endeavor, I think, (laughs) to try to study something scientifically that's, uh, you know, another living being, and there's so much that you can measure. Um, Some of the things that I thought were really interesting, like I've said on the show before, Dog sense of smell is like beyond our comprehension, I think. I mean, we there's you gave a lot of really great information about actually what we do know about how they measured uh, the airflow in dogs' nose, and actually, that as they exhale, it actually draws the air that they sniffed earlier further into the nose, and like all of this really interesting stuff about the sense of smell. 
But I feel like it's like trying to comprehend how big the universe is. Like you get to a certain point and then it's like your mind just explodes because like they can smell things on a molecular level. It's like how do we comprehend that? Really what that's like. Oh, we smell things on a molecular level too. We, But where our vision kind of trumps our mm. interest in attending to those smells. And we have decent smell, nothing like the dog. But humans just don't bother to do a lot of it. Um and so you're right, I think. Absolutely, it's almost imponderable trying to imagine your way into the mind of another animal. But it's not futile, and although inevitably we'll use human terms and analogies, some of those analogies can be powerful, I think. So for me, one of the entrees into imagining the perspective of the dog, and you're right, that's very, really the, the focal question for me, is... Um, trying to map smells to sight. So if we could reimagine smells as something that we could see um, and having information, visual information that it must have for the dog through smell, then I think you start to get a little bit of that idea of what it is like. Now, what's it phenomenologically like to be in the dog's skin? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be impossible. But I also can't imagine being you or any other person. Right, totally. You know, I just take some leap of faith yeah based on inferences and based on what you tell me and based on the similarities I noticed between us and that there are between us. So Mm -hmm. I think we can do the same things with dogs. And what's interesting about this conference and the people you talked to before, um, as contrasted with me, is we all have the same interest, but we all really came to it for different reasons and from different perspectives. So we overlap a lot, but that means that what Mark was doing when he as a biologist entered the field or what Michael was doing when he, he approached studying dogs such a long time ago and what Clive was doing when he approached as a comparative psychologist and what I'm doing, you know, all are motivated by slightly different interests and questions. And I think that's a really fertile place to um, begin a field, you know, and that's what we have with this dog cognition field. Mm. Well, I know from my perspective, it's been interesting to interview you all so close together, which I normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's been, you know, to read Mark Beckoff's book and then talk to him and then talk to Clive and then read your book and talk to you. And like to from my perspective, getting, you know, all of your different perspectives. I mean, it's almost overwhelming. <laughs> Well, that's actually pretty formidable, and almost nobody takes that course in dogs that you yeah. <laughs> that you just did. Yeah, really. Uh, certainly grateful for the opportunity. Um, yeah, you know, you, when you I when I read that in your book, it was actually probably the it definitely connected for me when you said, like, imagine you look around the room right now. Like, I'm looking around the studio. I see a whole bunch of pieces of paper and cards over there. I see a vacuum cleaner, a handheld vacuum, like that if you could actually smell all of the things that you can see. And it was like, oh, that actually makes sense to me in a way that nothing else ever has. Oh, great. So that was Well, cool. I think it's a continued exercise for me, too, yeah. to try to understand what analogy is going to work or, or, and furthermore be accurate. And um, But, you know, watching dogs' behavior, they tell us a lot mm-hmm. just through their behavior. And so that's constantly informative. Yeah. There are a lot of things that you mentioned, like even the difference about the height and, Mm -hmm. you know, that if you think that it's not different living in the world at the dog's height, think again, like get down 
I have a dachshund too. I have four dogs, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and they are all different sizes. She is certainly the shortest one, though, and it does make sense. I mean, and I can see differences. I think I think her height actually affects her behavior. I mean, and I've mm-hmm. seen that in small dogs as well. They think that they have kind of similar similar things, and they feel more vulnerable because they're so small. And this type of thing is something that I think is it's easier for people to imagine because they might have come up, they might have been um, confronted with the idea before, imagine being a child type, right? And, or sort of the child cam. What's, the, right. what's it like going around when you're around a bunch of adult knees at a cocktail party or something? And we can appreciate how, yes, there's something familiar, but there's something fundamentally different about that. So that's a good entree, it seems to me, into this whole weird parallel universe dogs have. Mm-hmm. One of the things back to the sense of smell that I thought was entertaining because I was like, oh, that's my dog. I I have a um, year and four month old male lab who's still intact Mm -hmm. and um, he licks after I have two female dogs. When they pee, he'll go and smell it and then he'll lick it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, JJ. (laughs) (laughs) And you, you actually like spoke to this in the book. And I was sort of giggling to myself because I was like, I know. I'm like, oh, do you have to do that? <laughs> and um, and other things like that. And he's just like really getting into it. I'm like, you're getting as much information as you possibly can right now. And it's a little easier to appreciate, isn't it? I mean, at least a slight amount easier to appreciate when you know what it's about, when you know that it's not just just a disgusting thing that they do. And you, and you might still feel it's a disgusting thing, but you realize, right. This is how they get information. I mean, imagine how we, um, well, you know, when you smell anything, it's because an odor and molecule goes into your nose. You know, it's not like it's just in the world and you right. have this distant relationship to it. Right. You are inhaling it. Mm-hmm. And so we, for some reason, we might find that conceptually disgusting, but we do it all the time. We're not afraid to smell things for the most part. Mm-hmm. And really, that's all the dog is doing with the lick is they're actually, you know, getting it to the olfactory receptors not they're not tasting and they're trying to swallow it and so they're doing the same thing that we do all the time they just have better equipment for doing it um and that makes that knowledge actually does change my emotional reaction to a lot of the dog's behavior that i would have had when i was a a person living with dogs and and kind of ignorant about dogs or or just you know normally knowledgeable about dogs Um, so i think that's i think that's fun for people sometimes to realize they can have more than one way to see the behavior or the creature in front of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think anybody who lives with with a dog or is just interested uh, should definitely read this book. It's called Inside of a Dog. And it's so interesting to just have you go through all of these different aspects of being a dog, their bark, and talking about everything that's been measured about barking and, you know, sense of smell and sight. And you just kind of really go through and piece a lot of these out and just give information about really more in more depth so that we're understanding really what's going on. So it's not like, oh, why are you licking that? It's like, okay, I can see what he's doing, you know, and I have my own reaction to it, but he obviously doesn't think it's gross. And for myself, I think it's really changed my relationship with my my dogs who I've lived with. Mm. Uh, to have that kind of knowledge. And cool. and I really love being able to investigate, you know, the mm. mystery that is their behavior all the time and not see it as familiar and already known. Yeah. 
Well, that is actually one of my next questions. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back more with Alexander Horowitz, who's one of the presenters at the Sparks Conference this weekend. CanineScience.info is the website to find out more about that. You can still register for it. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Feet which pitter patter on the linoleum floor. You can hear my toenails in the middle of the night. My taxes, I belong to the Johnsons, but they don't own me. They just feed me. They just bought me one day. No one owns me. I'm Dixie, the tiny dog. And in the middle of the day, I sit in the sun and I hear young children call me a wiener dog. Perhaps that's what I am. The Germanic term is dachshund, and I like that. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) This summer, pack up the dog bowls and head to the lodges on Vashon. Just a 20-minute ferry ride from West Seattle, Vashon Island is the perfect quick getaway for you, your family, and your furry friend. The Lodges on Vashon has 16 freestanding contemporary lodges, two communal spaces, and plenty of outdoor space to enjoy with your pooch. Go to lodgesonvashon.com for more information, because sometimes your dog needs a vacation too. Going against the grain has never been so much fun. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. But I don't know what I would do wrong. My body yields no evil inclination. I'm a pure wiener dog. My name is Dixie and I go down. Welcome back to the dog show with Julie Forbes. And we're back with Dr. Alexander Horowitz, who's the author of Inside of a Dog, also On Looking, Eleven Walks with Expert Eyes, and one of the presenters at the Sparks International Conference coming up this weekend. In Redmond, Washington, uh, such a treat to have this local locally. Um, so, welcome back to the show. And you actually spoke to something that I was planning on asking you anyway. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself as I'm reading your book and getting some insight into 
what you know and your experience. And uh, I'm curious, because of the depth of how you've studied and observed and your education and and all of that, because you also talk a lot about Pumpernickel and um, who has since passed and then Finnegan, who is your current dog. And I'm curious as to what your perspective is or your reflection or thoughts on if you have thought that your because of the extensive extent of the research that you've done is your relationship how has that impacted your relationship with your own dogs and do you imagine how do you imagine it's different from that of the average dog owner i think i have a lot more patience with my dogs actually mm. than uh i did before and maybe than the average dog owner if maybe i was an average dog owner i was a, i was I was always interested in and, and sensitive to animals and concerned about their plight, kind of, and, mm-hmm. you know, wanting things to go well for them. And that included my own dogs, but I also left my dog all day while I was at work. And at the time, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think about trying to find an outlet for her in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. um, where now a lot of people do. But uh, at the time, it wasn't that... Uh, Au Quran and and I just wasn't in my mind, you know. So I there was some leap of thinking, empathizing kind of that I hadn't gotten to that I now really have, and that means that I am very attentive all the time to their, you know, who they're with, what they want to do, what I'm providing for them, if something is troubling for them, and I don't think it's obsessive at all. It's very easy. Just yeah. the way you're thinking about another animate thing, and you're yeah. in the room with you, you know, yeah. who provides a lot of, um, like a great relationship for you. And I also am, am have changed my walks a lot with them. Um, mm. When I lived with Pumpernickel, I would we really started doing these smell walks, as I described in the book, where uh, she was getting on in years, and so she didn't really want to have as long a walk to begin with. And our, but my idea of the walk was still you go out to get a little exercise or to allow her to relieve herself, et cetera. And then it changed to just go some, follow her nose, basically, and, and stop when she wanted to stop and dig her nose into something for five minutes. Just stop there. Because <laughs> right. they will. <laughs> they will Which, stop for five yeah. minutes and just smell and smell and smell. Yeah. Right. And with my own dog, with my dogs now, I live, actually, we have two dogs Hmm. Um, now, the we'll we'll do that too. You know, not every walk is an exercise walk or just about peeing. It's also to let them smell where what's going on outside. This like this exciting olfactory universe yeah. that they're closed away from yeah. some good chunk of the day. And yeah. um, so, in every way, I'm just really interested in kind of maximizing the situation for them. And it has almost nothing to do with like products for dogs and right you know and and things that humans think are interesting it's really all from the dog's perspective mm-hmm. and that's been that's been great so i think that's that people you know come to that at different levels but a lot of people are not really aware of that at all because there's a very exhaustive kind of industry and 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 world view of looking at the dog as something which has to be trained and very in you know just potty trained and to sit and then that that's kind of it then they could be left alone they should be able to like fit in the family right they'll be happy they'll be happy our dogs are always happy they're you know and that's 
that's kind of consumed our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so people have gotten away from that, certainly, you know, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm on the far end of that, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure I have a ways to go. I'm, I have met many more things to learn, and yeah. my relationships will change with them still, I'm sure of it. Well, it is something that I talk about, I've talked on the show about plenty of times in the past and on a regular basis with my clients because what I'm doing is teaching them how to communicate with their dogs. They have expectations. Oftentimes I'm working with challenging behaviors and, you know, understanding, well, why is the dog doing it, first of all, and then talking about a solution. But I'd say one of the biggest things and most common things is that people just are not present. I mean, in general, let alone to their dog, because things are so, I mean, everybody, especially in Seattle, is glued to their phone, and you can do five things at once from your phone, and everything is faster, faster, faster. And when you're training or working with a dog or trying to modify a behavior, you got to slow down and just get present. And that alone is a huge shift for people. Like oh. I agree. There's a, it, there's, it's an illusion that dogs are, are just simple. Right, yeah. that they're they're we forget literally that they're animate and that they have constant needs and demands. And the way you talk about you know a challenging behavior is just right as far as I'm concerned because people just view dogs as misbehaving all the time, as though they should have an instant, immediate understanding of what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And the whole notion that a dog on coming into a human household sort of has this like you know super ego which describes to them the right and wrong, the rules. It's incredible I know. that we would do that. And then so we view all their behavior in that light. But that's such a misguided way to start or continue to have a relationship. Yeah. I mean, sure, you can. You can have a whole lifelong relationship with a dog like that, and many have. But mm-hmm. I think it's so much better to not use misbehavior, for instance, and as you say, slow down and look at their dog and see what's happening that causes the behavior. And and sometimes just that can change it. Yeah, for sure. Um, You talk about the attention of animals, and uh, you say this is one facet of the study of animal cognition, which asks what an animal subject understands about the mental states of others. And I think dogs, from my observation anyway, are experts in people. Right. And people are rather clueless about, you know, it's not a mutual thing. It's something people, we can get there. I mean, I think it is fundamentally a natural relationship. But we, I think, have, especially in modern times, have really kind of strayed a little bit from uh, that natural connection. But I think dogs are, I mean, it's it's really fascinating to me that this is really being studied because my experience and and. I don't know, opinion, is that dogs are incredibly attentive to us for a number of reasons. I mean, you could talk about their sense of smell and, and all of these things, but they're, they're very sensitive to people. I, I sometimes call them anthropologists among <laughs> yeah. us because yeah. they're watching it. I mean, think about what they're doing. If you're in the room with them, it's, yeah. you know, that a lot of the time they're watching you and you're learning your habits, and yet we don't ever do that, right? I think if there was a Swedish film with a about I think a program that actually happened in 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 some rural area where the anthropologists went and sat in a little chair in in the corner of people's houses like up on the up on the wall basically hmm. and observed you know how they behaved around the kitchen table and so forth trying to be that 
distant observer, although that must have been very peculiar. But Mm -hmm. we never do that with dogs. You just don't sit around and watch your dog all day long. Mm -hmm. And I think we would learn a lot if we did. I mean, that is a non-reciprocal relationship. So it's nice that it's getting some attention by science, and then that changes how owners feel um, when they when they look at their dog again. They see something different than they had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot there for sure. I mean, in talking about play, it's so cool that there's uh, one of the things that I've noticed through my interviews is a focus, a heavy focus on play behavior and how loaded it is mm. and that people are in your field are really studying it closely and really yeah. learning a lot about what, what is actually going on in, in play. Right, and, and that was something that didn't used to happen with almost any animal play. Well, there's been a, there's been a lot of research in play, but it's, it's never been one of the main behaviors studied because we didn't know what its function was, as, as maybe you talked about with Mark. And, and yet it's this really rich Mm-hmm. really rich behavior that is highly complex and fast-paced. And with dogs, it's especially interesting because it continues into adulthood, so it has some different function, clearly, you know, a social function. Mm-hmm. And But when we look at it at, at play as owners, we just sort of say, oh, they're playing, or oh, they stopped playing. You know, and that's kind of it, but there's so much going on in there, and that's the it's the kind of good prototype for how all of dog behavior is richer. That doesn't mean, like, all is sophisticated or all is highly intelligent or not. It just means so much else going on besides that first pass glimpse that we give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's really valuable to spread this uh, even idea or notion and, and then information. You know, your book, I've seen your book all over the place for some time now, and I've actually had it for a long time with the intention to read it. And then this gave me a great reason to read it. Um, and it's great. I really recommend it. And um, But for, for the average, like one of my missions, just to help dogs out there in the, in the world. I mean, there's a lot of challenges, I would say, that are even bigger than this. But for the average dog owner to just be more attentive and to just look look at their dog and, and look for the dog's thought process if they're asking the dog to do something because there is one and um, right. you know and dogs know right away as soon as somebody is tuned into them they give it right back and it's a, a, I think a real disservice to dogs for us to not be you know for us to really barely be present to them and to think that it, they're really just a, a sort of um, vessel for our affection there's a lot more to it, especially I since the agree. nature of our relationship has been working together. That's right. And when people were working with their dogs, they they didn't treat them like this. You know, they were mm-hmm. very attentive to their behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's changed since their role as companion is their greatest work project. Right. Yeah. And not terribly mentally stimulating for them, unfortunately. <laughs> not. Well, I really, really appreciate your time today, and I can't wait to uh, meet you in person and to hear you speak this weekend at uh, the Sparks Conference. That website is caninescience.info if you'd like to find out more about that. Still time to register. And then uh, you can see Alexander Horowitz online at insideofadog.com. Uh, There's a lot of information about your work there and other publications. And uh, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks so much, Julie. All right. See you this weekend. Okay, good. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. You'll, uh, we'll be back with more of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities, you name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. Never miss another episode of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Listen online at dogradioshow.com or download our podcast for free on iTunes or SoundCloud. Time for something different. Time for Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the dog show with Julie Forbes. And we are back with Lee Rhodes, who's the owner of Glassy Baby, a very fabulous local company that is also dog crazy. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so I just recently learned about a campaign that you guys have going on. Before we talk about that, why don't you tell us a little bit about Glassy Baby? Well, we are just a local um, glass blowing manufacturer in Seattle, Washington. And we're in the Madrona neighborhood. Um, and we have a factory that has approximately 70 glass blowers that all work um on and off during the week, we're open seven days, and we make one thing, which is a little cup or photo or vase, and we call it um, a glassy baby. And we give 10% off the top on each one, so we give $4.40 to all kinds of organizations. And generally, we kind of keep, um, we try to give to uh, cancer patients kind of in between that health care and family, unrestricted giving, and then we give to, definitely to animals. Mm. And you have dogs even in your glass blowing studio. Yeah, I, I would say that the majority of the people that work at Glass Baby are dog lovers and have dogs. And um, the great news is a lot of people um, adopt their dogs, and so the dogs have kind of had some sort of hardship that they've kind of kind of come through with the love and attention of their owner. So they all are um, have good personalities and can come and lay down next to each other. And we've got just a really great foundation for um for you know a, a positive atmosphere for dogs at glassy baby that we absolutely love mm. well it's just so nice i mean it's I, kind of a, yeah it's a huge part of our of our of our brand <laughs> everywhere is better when there's a dog there yeah. really <laughs> yes 
Yes. Um, now you have a campaign that's going on now just through the end of June, uh, your wet dog campaign. Yes. So tell us about how this was inspired. Well, we worked with them um, with he, he, Humane Society forever, um, mm-hmm. and we love them, and um, we think they do great work. Um, and we we kind of just our theme at Glassy Baby is that we don't judge. Um, and that's why we love dogs, because they don't either. Um, so Glassy Baby um, giving and the kindness we do is not conditional on what anyone else would do. And I think that really is just like a, your pet and your, especially your dog. Um, so we decided to partner with Humane Society with our color wet dog, which actually looks like a wet dog when you light it. It's really a beautiful color. And um, we I think we've done this before, haven't we? Done, I think we've done this before, but we um, love working with um, with the uh, with the Humane Society, and um, we've donated I think twenty thousand dollars to them. Wow. So it's been a really successful, wonderful campaign. They're incredible. Mm. We love to give. Um, right now, the, the campaign we're doing is um, really helping the Humane Society help people help animals after national disasters. Mm. Uh, for example, tornadoes or hurricanes, when many dogs need temporary care mm-hmm. until their owners are back on their feet or um, need a new home. That's really our sweet spot right now with this campaign we're doing. Yeah. It's an important uh, aspect of natural disasters. I've talked about this before on the show uh, and even did a show about preparing for natural disasters for your pets. Um, But that we I am always thinking when I hear about a tsunami or tornado, I'm always thinking about, oh, no, the pets. Yeah, the pets that are affected. Yeah. So it's really, really great cause to to support because they need it as much as the people do for sure. Yeah. One of the things that you got you got to check out these glassy babies. They are there's something very special about them and I think that you there's so much uh sort of energetically wrapped into them. They really are so beautiful and there's so many different colors. And yeah. and it's not just a a one color. Some of them have a few different colors. I mean, it's blown glass, so they're just gorgeous. Um glassybaby.com is your website and people can get glassy babies either through your local retail stores or through the website correct yes absolutely and those are the and, two ways that people can get glassy baby yes okay yes and and you know it, it, for a lot of people who can't have pets but are pet lovers i mean i know there's a ton of those out there you know having a glassy baby and lighting it is all that energy and the light and what you talk about i think is just responding to you know, we're all humans, so color and a dancing candle, you know, makes us all feel better, like you're like a pet would. And so sometimes they're just a great alternative to if you can't have a dog in your apartment building or something. Yeah. Well, that was actually something that I was going to talk to you about because you are a three-time cancer survivor. And, um, you know, you talked about the peace and calm that you found when you dropped a tea light into a handmade glass cup and just how sensitive you are to that and, and color and light and healing. And there is to me a connection like your connection to dogs makes perfect sense to me in that way, because there is something so calming and healing about the presence of an animal as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Incredibly so. And yeah. And, um, and just like animals, too, I mean, I think the one thing we all undervalue in having a pet is that we 
we respond to their love. I mean, it's hard to find anything else in the world that you actually bring your own response to. No one's telling you how to respond. No one's telling you to like or not like a dog. I mean, you know, you respond physically to all kind of dogs and, and, and animals. And I think that the glassy baby helps you do the same thing. You know, you, you respond to a certain color, you respond to a certain individual glassy baby because they're all different, but it does reach that same place that I wish we all lived in more. That's just yeah. that really deeply emoting and emotional place that dogs get you to. Absolutely. I've said and will continue to say that I believe dogs in particular are because of the nature of their relationship with people in our society, at least American society, is that they seemed like a kind of a lifeline to uh, our animal selves because we're so technology in our heads, faster, 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 not really being super present and even breathing, like just, okay. Like when I'm coaching people to work with their dogs, the one of the first things is like, okay, you got to slow down. Like people mm-hmm. are just like at their dog and it's like, okay, whoa, 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 slow down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how dogs really will need that to be, you know, educated and communicated with, but how um, beneficial it is for them to really draw that out of us because we don't have a tendency to do that, at least not in urban environments. Absolutely. I agree 100% with what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> we need to all do it more. <laughs> yeah. And it's really cool to witness that that happening, however mm-hmm. it happens. But to just mm-hmm. sort of contribute to that is, is so important, especially mm-hmm. in the context of healing, like you say. Yeah. Um, you guys would be really interested, I think, in a it's a forming nonprofit that I'm on the board of. It's an animal hospice organization that's local. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they um, it's Animal Hospice End of Life and Palliative Care. It's called the A-HELP Project. And it's just all about supporting people and their pets um, through the end of life challenges, whether it be uh, cancer or, you know, um, anything else that might come up. But just sort of that whole topic of end of life, which really is not something that's kind of talked about too much, but is so intense for people to go through. And um, it just seems like when you're talking about your interest in healing and, oh, yeah. and support of that kind of yeah. aspect of living Yeah, I'd pets. love to hear. I'd love to partner with you there. Yeah, we'd love to hear more about that. Well, I'll keep you Definitely. posted for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, your wet dog campaign goes on <laughs> through the end of uh, June. Yes. And this was inspired from one of your dogs, Wally. Wally. He's the master of the universe. He <laughs> is 13 and a half. Aww. Um, and we got him from the pound. He's, I think he's half shepherd, half lab. And so what's happening to him is he's really, and you know, he's alive on love. And we just, but he's got, his hips are kind of starting to go. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got that shepherd is showing up a little bit more than I can even um, really, t- t- uh, I try to make sure it doesn't. You know, I try to not let it alter our walking and everything schedule, but he's definitely slowing down. Mm-hmm. It's making me, it's devastating to me. Devastating. Mm. And Jackie is your other dog? Jackie. Yep. She's six and a half, and she, I think she's half border collie, half lab. And she's, um, you know, I think Wally has a lot of brain cells. I think Jackie has one. And um, it doesn't always work, but when she gets it engaged, she's, she's, you know, she's fantastic. She's the funniest, sweetest, you know, like she's the kind of dog who turns her head around, runs, 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 turns her head around, smacks into the wall all the time oh. getting toys. And she just doesn't really, 
And she wants a job. I think she's got enough border collie in her where she really, really wants a job, and I don't have a great job for her, so. Uh-huh. But I absolutely adore her. She's, she's yeah, she's wonderful. Sleeps right next to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Um, yeah. I have four dogs. Oh, <gasps> yeah. you're lucky. I know. Lucky. We have a oh. pack. Oh. And I what just, do you have? Uh, dachshund, two Australian cattle dogs, and a year and four month old lab. <gasps> oh, sweet! What color lab? Yellow. Oh, gorgeous! That's a nice mix you have there. Yes, or... quite the gang. Wow! Are they all besties, friends? Um. Yes, of course. I mean, we are. We are definitely family, and uh-huh. I think the cattle dogs are a little. I think we're all looking forward to JJ the lab reaching adulthood. <laughs> he's a lot of dog, um, a really nice dog, but he's just like, let's party all the time. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh, just go lay down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. He's like, you know, he's just like the good looking, good looking lifeguard. That's what those guys are. He is. He is. 24 7. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, so they are great. Um, well, I um, I'll email you actually when you said uh, talked about Wally and him slowing down. There's actually quite a bit that's really easy that you can do to oh, good for help. Tips? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, and just in general raises energy okay. as an older dog. Okay, so I'd love that. I will email you some information about that. Thank and, you. Yeah. I would that'd be so appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, glassybaby.com is the website you can order online, or if you're mm-hmm. local, you can go. And where are your locations in Seattle? You have one in Madrona. One in Madrona, one in the University Village, one in, um, in, on, Be- on Main Street in Bellevue. And where, uh, is it just the Madrona location that has the um, studio that you can actually look into and see the glass blowers and maybe even some dogs in there? Yes. I mean, we might, yes, we make um, Glassy Baby every single day in there. That's the only place we make them. Cool. Well, check it out. And then this weekend, you have a second sale going on? Yeah, our second sale, which we do twice a year um, with just kind of our orphans, ones that either don't fit in the box or they don't light as well. Um, but they're all very beautiful. I mean, they definitely need to be adopted. They're, they're fantastic. <laughs> and we open at 8, I think, and uh, we go until the sale closes. And our website has 10% off from 8 o'clock until the sale closes. And usually with the amount we have, it'll be like two and a half to three hours. Yeah, a frenzied sales this weekend, yeah. and then it'll be over. Is this only at the Madrona location, or at all yes. of them? Okay. Yes, it's only at the factory. Okay, and I recommend if you want to go, go early because oh, it's yeah, a popular yeah, event. <laughs> yeah, and it's supposed to be eighty this Saturday, so it's the first time ever not having a rainy sale. So we're excited. Oh, good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and all it's that really you wonderful do. Wonderful to meet you. Yeah. Well, I'll be in your sh- I'll be in your shop soon. I'm sure. Oh, good. I can't wait. And I'd love to meet you, and I'm excited for your tips for me for Wally. I'm just, you know, I carry him with me getting old every single day, so I would love those tips. Yes, I'll send that to you later today. Thank you. All right, thanks. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, you too. too. Bye. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and I'll be back with uh, some information about when to spay and neuter and also some events coming up. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on AM 1150. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, 
crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, Host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes. Host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> this is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to gifted animal communicator and medium Darcy Pariso, we cover the world of animals. This week, May 1st, it will either be a shelter, rescue, sanctuary, and anything that helps our Animal Friends Sunday with a bunch of great interviews, or it will be a special show with the Department of Fish and Wildlife officers and their Karelian bear dogs in the studio. Go to MarthaNorwalk.com or Facebook to find out. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Remember, you're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m., and now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Nice song. <laughs> Well, the sunshine just came out. And yeah. We're suddenly feeling groovy, right? Talking about slowing down with our dogs. That's important. It is. As you know, Eric, yeah. you're and, you're an expert by now. <laughs> 226 episodes now. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I Probably should... a, a few people out there would like their dogs to slow down as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of them are bouncing off the walls. It's true. We, especially as we heard in that last conversation. Keeps me busy. Um, so first of all, what a day today. With, uh, no, I'm not talking about the weather. It is a good day to take your dog for a walk, though. If sure. You know, it's also a good day to get Ice married. in the clouds. Isn't yeah. it? Uh, I, I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good day to get married. Uh, big but day But you today. can't because you're, you're already married. Well, I'm already married. <laughs> yeah. I ha- now have more rights, though, today than I did yesterday, so that's Which cool. Which is fantastic news, yeah. yes. Um, so a couple of announcements. Uh, of course, this is the last week before the Sparks Conference. This weekend, uh, June 28th, 29th, and 30th, 
in Redmond, uh, caninescience.info is the website. Uh, Dr. Alexandra Horowitz, who I just spoke with on today's show, if you've missed any part of this episode or any of our past 226 now episodes, you can find them online at dogradioshow.com. You can find them on iTunes as a free audio podcast. You can also listen to us live on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com. Um, and then, of course, uh, live every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. on KKNW AM 1150. Um, so caninescience.info, check it out. Seriously, if you're in the area, this is crazy. All the people that are going to be at this, I can't wait. Really once in a lifetime. Nothing like this has come into the area as far as I've ever seen. Um also, so I mentioned earlier on the show, I uh, was talking with the owner of Glassy Baby, Lee Rhodes, about uh, they do a lot to support um, organizations that help, you know, promote healing. And they are huge dog lovers and they do donate quite a bit. They've donated almost $20,000 to the Humane Society. Um, I was talking about the AHELP project and I've um, had Michelle Nichols on the show a few times. She's the one of the founders of the organization. It's the Animal Hospice End of Life and Palliative Care Project. And it's really just supporting people and their pets around the end of life process. And that can look a lot of different ways. Anyone that has, uh, you know, had to go through that with a pet before or multiple multiple pets, it's not a predictable uh, situation to be in and certainly not an easy one. And, um, There is a, I think I ran out of time last week, but I wanted to announce that for people who are really interested in this conversation, there is a event coming up um, locally called Spirits in Transition, and uh, it's about animal hospice care, and it's in November, and you can go to the website spiritsintransition.com. I'll post a link to it on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. Um, November 15th through the 17th, uh, there's a weekend seminar, and then it looks like there's another workshop right after that, the 19th to the 20th, both in Seattle. And again, you can learn more about that on their website, spiritsintransition.com. And if you'd like to learn more about the AHELP Project, uh, their website is ahelpproject.org, and that's um, A-H-E-L-P project.org. I'll post a link to them as well on our website, but um, it's a it's an organization. The AHELP Project is an organization that's been around for a few years now, but is actually in the process of becoming a um, nonprofit organization. It's been filed. We're just waiting to hear back. And when that happens, um, I am actually going to be on the board of directors for AHELP Project, and I'm the chair of the professional network. Um, So if you are a local professional who would like to be listed as a resource for people, perhaps you're a veterinarian or you do animal massage or maybe you're an artist and you do paintings of pets or anything like that, um, feel free to get in touch with me about that. You can always, anybody can email me at host at dogradioshow.com and uh, that gets directly to me. We also have some uh, space on the show for partnerships. If you are a dog-loving business or a business directly in the industry and you feel you would be a good fit 
to be promoted on the dog show, then get in touch with me and I would be happy to send you more information about that. Very affordable. We have a local and national audience and we've been on the air for over four and a half years now. So uh, it's a great way to promote your dog loving or dog related business. And again, my email is host at dogradioshow.com. And I'd be happy to send you more information about that. I got such an amazing email from a listener in Long Island, actually. Um, Really, really touching. Um, I posted on our Facebook page. We do have a Facebook page. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and you'll find us on Facebook. Um, And I posted that if anybody wants a car sticker, because we have these really cute car stickers that are free, um, that to just send me an email, and um, I'd be happy to mail you a sticker or a few stickers, or if you'd like a display, I'd even send you that. Um, No charge at all. Just let me know. Um, I've had some listeners actually send me photos. I just recently posted a photo of this adorable little Jack Russell Terrier, Bibi, who's uh, standing on her kennel, vocalizing to the camera, and she's got her little dog show sticker on her kennel, proudly displayed. Um, But I, I got an email from a listener, and it was really, really... It made totally made my day, and I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, uh, just totally reinforced what I do and uh, made my day and was, uh, of course, sent them a sticker. Uh, he says, we've been a fan of your show for several years now. I've learned a lot of great information. I probably would never have seeked out from puppy information to end of life. Your show prepares me. We had a Maltese Shilla, who had a broken foot that never healed for 16 years. On her last year, we got a companion, Sage, a Bichon Maltese rescue. He brought her joy because he was a loving friend. When she died suddenly, he was grief-stricken for a month, and we had to find him a new friend. Lara, mini poodle rescue, came malnourished from the streets of Philadelphia, a rough life. At first, they wouldn't look at each other, but they are now inseparable. Your program is very entertaining and informative. We made decisions that we probably would not have considered because of the information you gave. We've become involved in the dog community on Long Island through Long Island Dog. I'm a board member, and we're working to make Long Island more dog-friendly. We're on the other end of the country, but we're big fans. Please send us a couple of stickers. So I'm sending a shout-out to Shilla, Sage, and Lara the little dogs over there in Long Island. Um, and uh, just a, a big thanks to their wonderful humans who are doing so much over there and who listened to the show and took the time to send me that email. So if you would like to email me and give me some feedback, maybe you have an idea for a show or you just want to let me know maybe how listening to the show has impacted you and your dog, send me an email, host at dogradioshow.com, and be sure to find us on Facebook as well. Well, that brings us to the end of this show already. You guys have a great weekend, and we'll be back next Wednesday live from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.